great to see you. Um, let me start with a question. Has anybody here ever been skiing? Oh, a few of you. There were more in Hazelmere, I've got to say. But uh, a few of you have been skiing. I, I really love skiing. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to go for a long time, actually, for many years because of the cost and family and all the rest of it. But several years ago, I did get the opportunity to go on a couple of occasions. And I just loved it. I found it so exhilarating. And I have a theory that there are basically two different types of skier. There, there are those who like to kind of wind their way down the mountain at a leisurely pace and take in all the scenery. And then there are others, and I put myself in this category, um, for whom the objective is to get from the top to the bottom as quickly as is humanly possible. And um, to be honest, I'm amazed that I never hurt myself or somebody else because I was always, let's say, on the edge of control. Um, Some might say out of control, but I'm going to say on the edge of control. Um, But you know what? Those moments of flying down that mountain, I mean, really, sometimes literally flying down that mountain, and, um, and then getting to the bottom and deep breaths, and you're just buzzing, and you just realize how fast you've just gone, and adrenaline pumping around your body. And in those moments, I would feel really alive, truly alive. Now, that may or may not be your kind of thing, uh, but I think we've all experienced those moments of feeling truly alive. So for you, it might be the moment you asked her out, and she said, yes. Or asked her to marry you, and she said yes. Or, or it might be the day you landed the dream job, or the dream promotion, or maybe it was your wedding day, or the birth of a child, or scoring the goal for your team, the winning goal for your team, or being picked for the team in the first place. It, you know, those moments in time, points in time, where you just feel so alive and more alive than ever before. Um, Now, of course, those are amazing moments, and we would love them to last forever. We wish they would last forever, but those those moments of feeling truly alive. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a few minutes, but uh, as Neil just said, today we're concluding this series that we've been doing on coming home, which is based on the story of the lost son that Jesus told. And if you've been on this journey with us, if this isn't where you would normally be on a Sunday morning and you've, you've stuck with us on this journey, just want to say thank you. Um, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for, for doing that. And I really hope you continue to stick with us beyond this series, maybe because you took up that challenge of praying as if God is real and you found that actually he is. Or you certainly want to find out more, more about him, more about the church. And if you've been using this 30-day challenge book, uh, I would just encourage you, keep going with that right to the end. This is the last week now. Go for it to the end. See what God does. See what he says. So this series is all about five key aspects that that you can draw out of the story of the lost son. And these aspects, these, these, these aspects we've been looking at, not only apply to that journey of finding God for the first time, but actually it also applies to all of us in that ongoing journey of following Jesus. So we talked about the aspect of longing. Back to the first week, it was about longing, where we discovered that actually the longings we all have for love and purpose and meaning in life are God-given longings. They're put there by God. To, they're intended to lead us back to him, to point us back to him. Then we talked about regret, the aspect of regret, where we recognize that in trying to fulfill these longings on our own or in the things that the world offers, as good as some of those things are, we don't actually find the lasting satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness that we may have been looking for. And so we can end up in a cycle of longing and trying to fulfill that longing, being disappointed when we realize it doesn't, and then regret. Longing, disappointment, regret. We can get caught in that cycle. The third aspect was help. 
help. The lost son in the story, he went for help. He got up, he went to his father. And when we admit that we're powerless to fulfill these longings on our own, we can also go for help. And actually, help has a name, and that is Jesus, because he is the one who came to help. It's only because of his sacrifice, his death on the cross, and his resurrection that we can even be near God, that we can come home to him at all. And we gave an invitation for anybody who wanted to turn to God, anyone who wanted to take that step of turning around, that step of repentance, and come home to God, we gave the invitation to do that. And let me just say this, that invitation still stands. Because that invitation always stands. Wherever you are, that invitation always stands. Because God is like that father in the story. He's always there. He's always watching for you. He's always waiting for you to turn around and come home to him. And then last week it was about love, the aspect of love. Because what happens when you do turn around and come home to God? You may have all sorts of fears, trepidations, questions. But what you discover, and this would be the story, the testimony of the majority of people in this room, is a God of love. You discover how deeply you are loved by God. You get a new identity in being unconditionally accepted and loved by God. A new identity as his son and as his daughter. And so that brings us to today. The fifth and final aspect that we're looking at is that of life. Life. Last week we had a glimpse of that. Just a taste of that life. As we celebrated people getting baptized. Both here in the town centre at both meetings. Also up in Hazelmere. Even somebody in the sea in the Isle of Wight. So we're going to watch a video now which will both remind us of the story. You've seen this video before. It'll be familiar to you. But there's a twist. So watch out for that. Because it's also going to remind us of the celebrations that we saw last week. So if we could play that video, that would be very helpful. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. So his father divided the estate equally between them. Not long after, the younger son took all he had and set out for a distant country where he squandered his wealth on wild living. So after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine and he began to be in need. So he decided to hire himself out to a man and he was sent into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but nobody gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to eat, but here I am, starving to death? I will set off and go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and yourself. I'm not worthy to be called a son, but please make me a servant of yours. So he got up and went to his father. But whilst he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion and ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you, and I am not worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was out in the field. As he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. 
So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. And he said, your brother has come back. And your father killed the fattened calf to celebrate that your brother is back safe and sound. And the brother was angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed you. But yet you don't want to give me a young goat to celebrate? with my friends but when this son of yours who has squandered your property on prostitutes comes home you kill the fattened calf for him my son the father said you are always with me and everything I have is yours but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive was lost and now found It's just, it's just brilliant, isn't it? Just love baptisms because of what they, because of what they mean. See, baptisms are they're more, they're a lot more than symbolic, but they are symbolic of moving from death to life and of finding new life in Christ. And you can just see it on their faces when they come up out of the water. There's just a look on their faces, and actually, there's a look on all of our faces as well. And I was just watching some of you then as we were watching that back as well. And there's a look on our faces of delight because we just love what this means and what is happening. There's a sense of absolute celebration, and these are brilliant moments that are full of life. They're just full of feeling completely alive. But they are moments. We wish moments would go on forever. But I guess the reality is that the rest of life often doesn't feel so alive. In fact, sometimes it can feel a long way from that. It can feel like going through the motions, getting tired or moving at such a pace that you just can't appreciate anything. Getting bored sometimes with life. Just the the mundane day-to-day stuff. Sometimes it can feel like you're going through life, but there's really no life going through you. Well, listen to what Jesus said when he was talking about his followers in John chapter 10. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, what does he mean by that? Life to the full, fullness of life. What's what's Jesus talking about? I think the temptation for us is to think that fullness of life means having more in life, more stuff in life, more excitement, more cramming more into life, having more friendships, more relationships, or having more money. So that I can feel more secure and I can do more things and I can, I don't know, buy a yacht and have a very comfortable lifestyle and go on ski holidays and luxury holidays, all that kind of thing. But if you've, if you've been with us for this series, in particular the first couple of weeks, you know that that's not what Jesus is saying. He's, he is not connecting fullness of life with having more in our lives. Certainly having more money enables you to do more things, absolutely. Having more money enables you to enjoy more things in life. Absolutely, but it's all just temporary distraction because the longings remain. The deep longings remain. Regardless of what you choose to fill your life with, they remain. It is perfectly possible to be extraordinarily wealthy and at the same time extraordinarily miserable. So fullness of life is not about having more in life. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. It wasn't written in English. Um, It was written in Greek. And uh, there are a few different Greek words that when it's translated into English, are translated as life. One of those words is bios, bios. And that's where we get the word biology from, which, as that suggests, 
means physical life. Bios means physical life, natural life, chronological, physical, natural life. So, for example, the average BIOS life would include something like 25 hours of sleep and over 100,000 miles walked and something like 92 days on the toilet, <laughs> around 80,000 meals. That's all part of the BIOS life, physical, natural life. But there's another word that you can see there on the screen which is used for life in the New Testament, and that's the word zoe. Zoe life. That includes the bios life, but it also goes way beyond that. Because where bios is all about quantity of life, it's about having more of the same, Zoe is about quality of life. And actually, it's a quality of life that you can only have through knowing God. Because ultimately, Zoe refers to eternal life. It's the word that's used in John chapter 1, where Jesus is being described in these very cosmic terms and part of the description is in him was life the life that runs through Jesus in him was life and that life was the light of men it's talking about the uncreated eternal divine life of God that he has for us but it's also about the quality of life that God has for us right now because eternal life doesn't start when you die eternal life starts now it starts when you turn to him So when Jesus says, I have come, that they may have life and have it to the full, which word does he use for life? Zoe. It's not bios, it's Zoe, because he's talking about a quality of life with God that changes everything about your whole life, now and forever. He's not just talking about more of the same life. I've come to have, so they have more of that life. So coming home to God not only means discovering the love of God for yourself, the personal love of God, which we talked about last week, but it also means discovering the life that he gives you, this Zoe kind of life that he gives you. And we see these two lives contrasted in the story of the lost son. So when the younger son asks for his share of the estate, it says in verse 12 uh, that the father divided his property between them. He divided property between them. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is that the word used in the original Greek for property, translated as property, is bios. So he divided his life between them. Everything he had, everything he was, he divided between these two sons. So this younger son has everything that the bios life can offer. He has it all. And the point of the story that we've discovered over the last several weeks, and the point of the story which also reflects a stark reality for us, is that the bios life doesn't fully satisfy. It just doesn't. Pursuing and even getting the more in life doesn't fully satisfy. In fact, it can leave you feeling pretty empty. The bios life pales in comparison to the Zoe life. Again, we see it in the story. We see the bios life represented by the lifestyle he pursues and where he ends up. But the Zoe life is life with the Father, life back with the Father. And so God doesn't want us to settle for the bios life, when actually we were created for so much more. We were created for a Zoe kind of life. Now that applies to you if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've got to know that God calls you to a different quality of life. He has so much more for you than you're experiencing right now. He's got so much more for you. He calls you to a different quality of life. You've got to make the decision to turn to him. Nobody else can do that for you. You've got to make the decision to turn to God. But it also applies to to you if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus. Because how often do we still try to settle for the bios life when there is so much more that God has given us? 
He wants us to experience life to the full. That's what Jesus said, life to the full, life in him, life with him. Galatians 5.1 doesn't say it is for misery that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's what it says because he calls us to a different quality of life. So are you living that kind of life? Are you experiencing that kind of life? Or do you see salvation, that moment of turning to Jesus, as kind of like your ticket to heaven, but in the meantime, I'm just going to grind it out and settle for the bios life. So let me just briefly outline three experiences, three things that might be helpful for us here. Three things that God calls us to that, that will help us to live the Zoe kind of life. They all begin with C, so it's really easy to remember. Okay? First one is celebration. Celebration. See, the story of the lost son is actually the third in a series of three stories that Jesus tells in a row, all one after the other. And they're all about someone who loses something of great value. So the first story is about a man, he has a hundred sheep, and he loses one of them. And he searches and searches and searches for the sheep. Eventually he finds it. And then it says, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Rejoice. He's having a party. He's having a celebration here. The second story is about a woman who loses a valuable coin. And she searches for it and she finds it. And and it says, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. She has a party. She celebrates. Then there's the third story, which we're very familiar with now. And the father runs to this son who has come home. He welcomes him home and he makes this announcement. He says, let's have a feast and celebrate. Because this son of mine was dead and he's alive. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. You see the theme that's running through all of these stories. And it's celebration. And do you know what? That not only describes how God feels when you come home to him. Because that is how he feels. He celebrates when you come home. When, in, when one person comes back to him, God celebrates. But it's also about us. Because if you have come home to God, if maybe that's very recently or it's a long time ago. If you know that you've been rescued, that you've been saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus, you have every reason to celebrate with everything that you are, everything that you have for the whole of your life. Every reason to celebrate, because you were lost and you are now found. You were dead and are now alive. You were in darkness and are now in light. You've encountered the love of God. We have a longing for love. God's love is perfect. Our longing for love is fully met in him. You have a purpose. You have a meaning for your life. You have a hope, a glorious hope for your future. We have so much to celebrate. And celebration of all that is essential to embracing this Zoe kind of life. And by the way, I don't just mean for the time we're singing together on a Sunday morning. It's about when you're on your own. It's about when you're at work. It's when you're going through day-to-day life, reminding yourself all the time through prayer, through reading the Bible, through spending time with God of what he has done, reminding yourself of that all the time, reminding yourself that and celebrating the fact that he welcomed you home and that he has lavished his love upon you and it's totally undeserved. It's not about what we do. It's about what he does and what he has done. It's his grace. It's all about him. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to celebrate. Now, that doesn't, of course, make the struggles and the problems we face in life any less real. This is not bury your head in the sand and pretend we're all happy and cheery. No, not at all. This is talking about joy, which is a different thing. It's a deep joy that every Christian should have inside them. It doesn't make the struggles of life any less real. But it does give you a very different perspective on them. We're going to see an amazing example of that a bit later on. 
Christians should be the most joy-filled people in the world. We're called to celebrate and rejoice in all circumstances of life. So celebration. The second one is connection. Because we live in an increasingly isolated society, particularly here in the West, where we can live in our own four walls and not really know the people who live next to us. Or we can replace human interaction with online interaction very easily. Uh, families break down. The pace of life, the busyness of life means that we can't invest as we should in friendships and put that time into quality of relationships. But here's the thing. We weren't made for that kind of life. That's why people are so stressed a lot. We're not made for, we're not made for isolation. You know, and this is me talking as, you know, in the Myers-Briggs test. I'm, pr- I'm pretty much as far on the introverted side as you can get. But we are relational because God is relational and we're made in his image. We were made to connect with others. Now that's particularly important in the church because we really need each other. I need you and you need me. We need each other. We need friendship. We need accountability. We need the encouragement of others to help us along the way in this journey of following Jesus because it is not always an easy journey, is it? No, it's not. Sometimes it's a very hard journey, and that's exactly how Jesus said it would be. We absolutely need each other. We were never meant to do that journey on our own. And by the way, you can be here on a Sunday morning, you can be here every Sunday morning, and still be very much on your own. Because it's great to gather as God's people and celebrate. We must never stop doing that. It's a very powerful thing. But it's not always good for connecting. You can be here and still be very on your own, very, very lonely. This is why we're always pushing small groups, why we're always banging on about small groups, small groups, small groups. You've got to get yourself into a small group. We have all sorts of different groups with all sorts of different emphases, but the point of every one of those groups is connection. It's about connecting with other people, making those friendships, building those relationships. That's what all of our groups are about. So if you're not in a small group, get in one. Get in one. Look online on the website. Look in the small group guide. Ask questions at the welcome area. Some groups are still open. There'll be a whole load of groups open again in January. Get yourself in a small group. Get connected with others. Because when we intentionally and consistently stay connected with others, with others in the church, we are far more likely to experience that Zoe kind of life that God intends for us. The celebration, connection, and the final one is contribution. God has plans and he has purposes for his church and for the world. And the amazing thing is, he invites you to be part of it. He invites you to contribute to his plans and his purposes. He gave everything because his desire is that all would be saved. That all would come home to him. And he calls us to willingly risk serving and loving others because he risked everything in loving you. And the point here is that you have something to offer. You do have something to contribute. You have something to give. The son in the story, my guess is that he would have been greatly changed by the experience he went through. So he probably now has a a far greater empathy for those who are hungry, those who have failed in life. He probably has a completely different perspective from before on wealth and possessions and and lifestyle because his story would have shaped him and it would have given him a unique way into certain people's lives. Your story shapes you. And you might think, well, I don't really have a story. I don't have much of a story. That's simply not true. You do have a story. We all have a story. And your story has shaped you, and it continues to shape you, and it gives you a unique way into certain people's lives, both inside the church and outside the church. 
You have gifts, you have abilities, and again, you might say, oh no, I don't really. I'm not very good at very much. I don't have much to offer. Simply not true. That is not what God says about you, so don't say it about yourself. You have gifts, you have abilities that are God-given that can be used for his glory, for his purposes. Again, both inside the church and outside the church. So use them. And if you're here as part of the church, if you are here, you consider yourself part of this church, you have, what God says is you have something to contribute here. Church is like a body with many parts. One part is not more or less important than the others. You have, if you're part of the church, you have a contribution to make. You are here for a purpose. There is a reason behind every single person being here. And we have too much going on, to be honest, for people not to contribute both through giving and through serving. And I, and I know some, some people here serve on two, three, even four different teams. Thank you. But everybody here has a part to play in the purposes of God in this church. Here's the thing. When you contribute to something bigger, you get caught up in a bigger vision, which goes outside of yourself. It goes outside of your life. This is part of the Zoe life that God calls us to because it changes how you see things. You start to see the future differently. You start to prioritize things differently. You love others more. You're, you take your eyes off yourself looking inwards and all of your problems because the needs of others become more important. You become part of changing the world and life becomes about something that is just, it's just better and bigger and more meaningful than ever before. So three C's. Celebrate, connect, contribute. And if you're not experiencing that Zoe kind of life, well, there's a good starting point there. Have a look at those three areas. But all the while realizing this is not about us simply trying to make a better life for ourselves, striving to make a better life. This is about living in the life that God has already given you. It's about claiming the life that God has already won for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to finish today and finish this series with a couple more stories. We've heard some amazing stories across this series. They're all on the website if you want to see them, if you've missed any of them. Today's stories are a little bit different. You're going to hear from Val and from Tim, for whom the BIOS life is really not all that they would like it to be. So let's hear their stories. I'd been a Christian for just over 40 years and in the church um, for that length of time as well. About 10 years ago, I started noticing a weakness, particularly down my left side, left arm, left leg. So I went to the doctor. Eventually, they came up with the the diagnosis of inclusion body myositis. Myositis is an inflammatory muscle condition. The answer was, there's nothing we can do for you, I'm afraid. Um, This is what you've got. We'll help you manage the disease, and um, you've got to get on with it. I was 25. I'd just got married two months before in the August and in December, and I was diagnosed having multiple sclerosis. So two months after I was married, I was down to multiple sclerosis, and I've had that since. At the time, I was in the fire service. I was a leading fireman, so I was doing well. I was the 
fittest person in the world and now I'm unable to do anything except be in the chair all the time. And I've got carers to help me get out of bed and get into bed in the evening and I really struggle with that. I would love to be able to give my wife flowers all the time. That started when I first started going out with her. I gave her flowers every week and suddenly not to be able to do anything. It's very hard. And that same thing applies to my kids. I used to come home and grab my little daughter, but now I can't even come home. And knowing my child takes all my energy out of me. Now my family go off for holidays. When they go to holidays, it's just so much easier for me to stay here. It's very hard to see them going. It's quite a life-changing illness, actually. Um, Far worse than I at first imagined. There have been... Life has been very challenging, not only for me, but for my family also, for, for Derek, my husband. Gradually, I've lost the use of being able to do most things. I used to love driving. Um, I've had to give up driving after hitting a mud bank and crunching the car. Um, I would love to cook as well. I always loved having people around for meals and baking cakes. I've had to give up doing that with the, the as the use of my arms and hands has been going. And I think one of the, the hardest thing I've found is not being able to pick the grandchildren up, particularly when they were babies, um, not being able to hold them. Something that's very important to me is actually knowing the love of God, knowing God's closeness when everything goes to rats. Even this morning I woke up, my body's not working, even simple things I can't do. And I turn around and say, God, it stinks, it really does stink, but I trust in you has been hard to really get to the point of feeling and seeing how much God loves me. Um, I've particularly felt God speaking to me during times of worship at church um, when I, I've sometimes I've felt really quite lifted, almost lifted out of myself and thinking, well, it doesn't matter what happens to my body down here, it's what matters up there when I'm up there with him I've really cried out to God sometimes and said why me and I felt him say I can trust you because I can trust you and I've just felt a peace during that time people ask me sometimes how I cope and I guess the short answer is there's times when I don't cope but I've got God, how I've got God with me, promising to walk, he's promised to walk with me through the dark times, through the difficult times. And I know he won't let me down. I, I know that, whereas I have limitations with my body, with what I can do, but there's no limitations to 
how much God loves me. I'm bugged by MS. It really is horrible. But if I die still working on MS, then I die. That's all right because I've got a relationship with God which will exist far longer than my relationship with MS. And that is Zoe life. Um, if you know Val or Tim, please do thank them for sharing. Any, any of the guys who have shared their stories over these weeks, please do make sure you thank them for sharing their stories. It's not always an easy thing to do. But Val and Tim, they have something in God. They have a life in Christ that goes so far beyond bios life. They live those three C's. They celebrate what God has done for them in spite of circumstances. They're connected with so many people in the church. And boy, do they contribute in the way they love and serve others. Tim's a blessing to so many people in the way he encourages, in the way he prays for people. Val has been able to be a real blessing to people around the world through an online group supporting those who have the same condition as she does. She's just a blessing to them, and she's a massive encourager in the church. That is true life. That is Zoe life. And it changes your outlook on everything that you go through in life. So I guess the question is, what about you? What about us? Do you live that Zoe life? Or have you drifted into complacency and seeking fulfillment and all sorts of other things? Because the call of God is to come back to him. It's to, it's to come home. Now we're going to take a step in the right direction right now by celebrating by the first of those C's. So Mark and the guys are going to lead us in that. And um, let me just really strongly encourage you to celebrate when we do this. Whatever you feel like, however distant or close you might feel to God, he deserves your praise. He is worthy of your praise. And you need to do it. You need to praise him. You need to celebrate what he's done in your life. So just go for it with everything you have, regardless of what you feel like. But know that that is not it. There is so much more. There's so much more than that. We are ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. Now that is a mission worth living for. That is a mission worth giving everything you have for. So let's not be people who simply go through life. Be someone who lets the life of Jesus go through you. Amen? Amen.